host, Just James, and today we will be going over Haunted Castle's gothic stories by Ray Russell. So get that favorite black hoodie out of the closet, paint those nails upright. This is episode number two. Welcome back to Just James Horror Reviews. I'm your host, Just James, and this is episode number two. Today I'm going to be looking at a Penguin's Classics Ray Russell compilation of stories. The title of the book is Haunted Castles, The Complete Gothic Stories, with a foreword by Guillermo del Toro. I'm sure I said that name wrong, but it has a foreword by him. We all know who he is, and uh, he gives a great uh, history of the author and what he thinks about his works. Uh, him and also Stephen King give him high praise about being uh, a neo-Gothic icon as far as that literature goes. Uh, they state that his uh, first story, which one is this, Sardonicus, is probably the staple when it comes to neo-Gothic horror literature. Fantastic author. Uh, all these stories in here are, are, are written beautifully. They set scenes fantastically as far as gothic i've seen some complaints from other people who had reviewed this book that said that they felt it didn't have enough of the classic gothic i guess how we would think of uh, that old style of, of dress castles dungeons different aspects of of that classical gothic uh, literature that we would think of however I would argue, and this is uh, the Just James review, so it's going to be about what Just James thinks. I think that all these stories have gothic elements in them as far as the setting goes, uh, more so the situations as far as there's always this dark twist of no way out. There's always this choice to be made where um, someone has to put their own morals or ethics to make a decision and either way they go, they're going to have to violate one or the other. And, uh, you know, it's about survival at the cost and expense of someone else or their own beliefs. To me, that is very gothic. Um, along with the settings, like I said, there are castles, there are dungeons in these stories. But the, the first story in there, Sardonicus, I'm not going to talk about all of them because there's uh, a handful of his stories in there, which, come to find out, a lot of these... Uh, we're in Playboy magazine. He he put a lot of stories in Playboy magazine where he uh, submitted a bunch of stories and was a a writer for them for a while. I've never read a, a Playboy magazine, so I can't speak to the articles that are in there. But I've often heard it's it's an old joke that I just get the magazine for the articles. I mean, if these are the kind of stories that are in there, I can absolutely understand that. These these are freaking gold. Now, of course, this was back in the fifties uh, to. 70s or 60s and 70s that kind of time frame so maybe the articles were different I don't know but for Sardonicus and some of these others to be in there is it's just amazing to me I mean these could easily go in any type of uh, horror magazine or publication at the time and, and be just as relevant and, and important so <clears throat> Sardonicus uh, if you don't know Ray Russell he he was a World War II veteran. I'd already said before, he had wrote for Playboy. He's known for a lot of uh, different stories. The Case Against Satan is one that he had written that a lot of people think is the blueprint for 
The Exorcist. Uh, after reading it, I would have to definitely agree. I'll do a review on that one later. I don't want to dive into it. Uh, we're just going to talk about this Penguin's classic book today. So, first story, Sardonicus. It was uh, published in somewhere in the 50s or 60s. I don't know. One thing said the 50s. Another thing I read said it was published in 61. I don't know. Either way, uh, in that time frame, this kind of story, the gothic elements that are in it, it, it could have been written a hundred years ago. Uh, it's a story about, I guess, lost love, having it all, um, rekindling old flames. Uh, it's the, the dynamic between coming from nothing and then all of a sudden having all this uh, immense power and what you would do with it and that power being a curse. I mean, if those aren't gothic elements, I don't know what is. There's science, there's psychology, there's hopelessness, there's trickery, treachery. There's all these elements that really go into a solid gothic story. I just can't say enough about about this one. Brief overview. Some dude's dad wins the lottery, dies. The son goes to dig it up, gets the ticket, sees his dad's dead corpse. It's got some kind of weird grin on it. He is terrified. He gets this permanent weird Joker-style grin on his face. It almost, in your mind, you can almost kind of see uh, this Phantom of the Opera type, distorted, high cheekbone type face. It's just terrifying. Well, on top of that, he gets all this money. He also loses, I think his wife or his mom or some someone because of this, I can't remember. But anyway, he gets all this money and he goes and starts doing all these weird experiments and, and, and all these different things on this place to where he moves to try to figure out how to get rid of this grin. So he's got all this money, he's got all this power, he's this playboy now and he never really gets to enjoy it because he's got this hideous face so he ends up getting with this girl the girl has a ex-boyfriend ex-lover whatever that is a doctor and he works with uh, paralysis so he sends a letter out to the doctor has him come out to his big grand castle and pretty much throws down this absolute evil um compromise with this guy an ultimatum and just says hey I know this is your old love he kind of sets them up to talk to each other and rekindle that old flame and then he tells the dude I'm gonna torture and kill your girl and have my way with her unless you can fix my face and you know the doctor had no idea what was going on he just came because of the girl's name recognition so this whole dynamic plays out and I'm about to spoil the absolute shit out of this story. So if you don't want to know, I would fast forward a little bit. Um, even if you know, it's an old story, so you might've heard it, but it's definitely worth the read. So he ends up experimenting with all these things. He comes up with a cure. He gives it to the dude, fixes his face. He grants the girl her freedom and gives them some money and allows them to leave the castle and go start the life off on their own. He, the guy recounts of him finding out what happened to the count or the duke or whatever he was. And once he unparalyzed his face and he had a normal looking face, he was unable to open his mouth. So he wasn't able to eat or drink, feed himself or anything like that. So he solved the problem, created a new, you know, got exactly what he wanted, everything he wanted, just like the money. And now he got his face fixed and now he's ready to live life and he can't because now he can't feed. So, you know, one, uh, positive leads to another negative. I mean, it's, it's the most gothic, gothic shit ever. So I don't understand these other people that said these stories just weren't really hitting those gothic notes for them. I mean, it's not, um, 
you know, debutante dresses and, and old dirty wet castles or anything. But man, these situations are just, you know, it's it's black on black on black on black, the most gothic, you know, kind of stuff ever. So anyway, uh, fixes guy's face. He ends up, they end up at, uh, for who's talking to someone, the, the doctor is that fixed him. And he was like, what exactly did you give him? And he said, I just gave him water. It's all in his mind. I tried to tell him that before, but he didn't want to listen. So I pretended to make this thing, gave it to him. It fixed his face. It's all psychology. So the dude ends up dying and it's all because of his own messed up mind. So again, awesome story. I'm not doing it justice, but I'm just trying to give you a quick review on it and saying that it is definitely worth your time to check that thing out. If you don't want to read it because it's kind of wordy, there's some great uh, YouTube audio reads of it. Um, And if you can find someone with an accent to read it, it makes it that much more theatrical. I don't know why. But it just does. It's something about someone that sounds like me reading that story. It's just not as, uh, it doesn't play as well in the imagination. So, next story is Sagittarius. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a play on Jack the Ripper and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, I really don't say much more about it just because I want to keep these brief. Definitely give it a read though. It's real short. It just kind of, it's trying to explain who Jack the Ripper might have been, uh, who his parents might have been, and uh, it it goes along with uh, some guys talking in a bar and dudes investigating a murder and all this kind of stuff. It, it's very cool. The setting's very cool. Give it a read. I won't say much more about that. Uh, the last one is uh, Sanguinarius. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm saying it wrong. But it is a uh, retelling of the Elizabeth uh, Bathory story. So, if you don't know who that is, I think she's known as uh, Bloody Mary. Um, just, just look her up. Uh, she was a real person, but in this retelling, what's cool about this and him retelling this story is uh, it reminds me of what uh, Quentin Tarantino does. So, a lot of times he kind of rewrites history with his stories. Uh, if you didn't know anything about the different things that he goes into and you were to watch one of his movies and you didn't know, you would you could question yourself and say, is that what really happened? Is that what happened in in *Inglorious Bastards? Is that how these events took place? Well, if you know history, you know, that's not, but he's rewriting it. He's retelling it. He's giving a different, uh, interpretation, uh, and ending, um, of what happened. So it's cool when you can see that. So this story is the, the Sanguinarius story is very much like that. It's a retelling of something, not how it happened, but a very interesting look and take on what happened. This is probably, even though it is super, super long, and I'll be honest, I listened to the audiobook part of this because it was really, really long, but the audiobook, I was able to listen to it and enjoy the the settings, the scenery, and, and really just dive into the feelings of what was going on without being stumbled by all these long drawn out descriptions and everything like that that are in this story but it's put together really well it's about a love story again the gothic element comes in where it's a love story where this she's madly in love with this guy he goes off to war some random gypsy lady shows up and in the story she is a gypsy so that's not me just using that word uh, discriminatory or anything she's a gypsy who comes in she's pretending to be this weak old woman that needs help uh, she 
offers her services to help take care of this woman who's at home by herself, waiting on her husband to get home from war. She's worried. She needs a friend, someone to help her out, someone to keep her company. And she ends up confiding in this uh, gypsy woman that comes comes by offering this help. So they end up having uh, a friendship, a little bit of a relationship in... They and uh, another girl comes to the castle, and the gypsy woman ends up getting her to bathe with this woman naked. And they start getting into these kind of like tiptoeing around this a little bit of debauchery kind of stuff. And she's just kind of falling into it. She misses her husband. She doesn't know where he's at. She doesn't know if he's alive or dead. She's just in all kinds of uh, disarray from this stuff. And she's starting to be easily manipulated by this woman who came to the castle. So. She wakes up one night, again, I have to tell you the whole story, so she wakes up one night and she starts hearing screams from the servant girl who came to the castle, and she goes downstairs and finds the gypsy torturing this girl. She freaks out on her, tell her she has no right to do this. The gypsy kind of bucks up on her and starts talking to her like she's in charge, and she almost starts to talk to her like, well, I'll blackmail you with all this stuff that you've been doing when your husband gets back going to fast forward a little bit because like I said the story drags on and on a little bit about just it on purpose it needs to because it's really building this this relationship and this change in power dynamic so that when the husband returns you find out that he's been uh, sleeping with this gypsy lady and they've had a relationship for a long time and so that the bathroy lady is really even though she feels like she's number one. I guess she's kind of this, uh, the gothic, neo-gothic side piece, and she was didn't know any of this was happening. And so once they tell her about all that stuff and how she was tricked and played into doing all this, they take her down to a dungeon, they tie her up, they put these things on her eyes to where she can't blink, <laughs> then they straight up kill that chick and then have sex in front of her. <laughs> Dude, if that's not gothic, I have no idea what you guys are reading. So it goes on to tell about how after that she kind of succumbs to this, what she refers to as love and, and, and debauchery and evilness and wickedness. They kill hundreds and hundreds of young women, bathing in their blood, torturing them and all this stuff. And that's where you get that story. And then it ends with this weird cat curse that some priest gets cut up by all these cats because he found the curse of this woman. To me... I feel like that part was not necessary. To me, I felt bad for this Bathory chick, even though she took part in murdering and, and killing all these people. I think she's known as like one of the most prolific female serial killers that we know about. And then when they they cheapen it at the end with this weird like cat curse story, I think as a person she was terrifying enough. But I did feel bad because you had this uh, weird thing where she was manipulated and, and forced into these situations and uh, it plays into the whole uh, what do you what do you call it men where you start sympathizing with your hostage taker that whatever that word is that that's what it kind of makes you feel like you know she was going along with it it was either kill be killed or go along with this stuff and then eventually she fell into it just as bad so awesome story those three stories in particular are known as the unholy trinity so if you've ever heard that with ray russell the unholy trinity is sardonicus sagittarius and sanguinarius great stories 
I would absolutely agree with that. The Unholy Trinity. I think it's another book that you can get with Penguin Classics. It has just those three stories in it. The other stories in there are the Vendetta, the Cage, and the Runaway Lovers. I'm not going to talk about the Vendetta and the Cage. The Ven- All I'll say about the Vendetta is if you've ever heard Sophocles' story of Antigone, it's it reminds me a lot of that. It is not that story, but it reminds me a lot of that. And if you read it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Those aren't long stories. They're a good read. The Cage is just kind of meh. The Vendetta, cool idea. Uh, plays out good, very gothic. But the Runaway Lovers... Not really a long story, but I want to give that one an honorable mention because, to me, other than Sardonicus being the the gold piece in this book, uh, The Runaway Lovers, I'm going to say, is, is a tough second place because it's about these two. There, there's a king or a duke or something like that, of course, who has a wife, and this other guy comes along, and they fall in love, and they decide they're going to run away together, Okay already starting out some good gothic elements we got you know this power struggle between actual uh political power versus the power of love and all these different elements and they're going to run away together and flip a middle finger to the power and just say we can do this love's going to set us free we don't need food we just need love and that's what they do so they run away they get caught the king is this really religious Person, I, I can't remember if he's actually like a religious figurehead, but he's very much into the, the Christian value. So he decides he's going to punish them, put them in the dungeon, torture them for seven days for the seven deadly sins. And I think on the seventh day or, or the last day or whatever, he's going he's gonna to execute them. So they're caged. They go down there. There's this really hilarious dungeon master guy that adds a little bit of hope. You, you could see this being an episode of something because the characters are just so well animated in the story to you know you could actually see this playing out on the screen and being a really good script but <clears throat> when they're in there for the set he, he goes in there and gives them this big long spiel about all the stuff he's going to do you know he's going to rip out their eyelids going to boil their eyeballs he's going to uh, grind their teeth down and all this crazy stuff that he says he's going to do so their fear level is up to a thousand then he leaves them alone with themselves for a little while and they start going into it really reminds me of the. Do you remember in 1984, like at the end, they strap the cage to the guy's face and they're gonna let a rat eat through it? And he's like, do it to her, do it to her. So eventually he just, he kind of punks out and he's like, I love her more than anything except for rats chewing through my face. That's kind of what happens here. These two madly in love and then they start talking about all that torture and he's kind of like, you know. <laughs> They kind of get into a discussion about one. Hey, there's no way he's going to do this. He's he's a he's a Christian. He doesn't believe in this kind of stuff. There's no way he's going to let us die or torture us in this thing. He's just trying to scare us. And then the the dude's just freaking out. He's just like, "There's no way. This isn't worth it." And basically, he's in effect dismissing their love over because of the fear of what's going to happen to him. And uh, there's this re- there's this really cool part where they manage to get keys and and escape and. I remember as reading it, you're just like, oh man, like here it goes, you know, they've escaped, they're going to get out, they're going to run away together and be in love and all this stuff, and they end up going through all these nasty things and and pop out on the other side, only to find out that they're back in the exact same room where they started. Not only that, but the dungeon master guy comes in and lets them know that that was all just part of a plan. (laughs) So he knew... He put everything available to them so that they could escape, even though it was hard for them, just so that they'd come back. And then he goes on about how they're going to be tortured even more now, you know, and all this stuff. So um, 
the the next day or whatever they when, when all the torture and everything's supposed to start they come back and they find them both dead and the king comes in and he finds them dead and they asked the king if that was his plan all along. Was he really going to kill him? Was he really going to do all this and that? And he was just, you know, he says, no, I just wanted, I knew that this guy would flake out, that his love wasn't true and that this kind of stuff would happen. He didn't know they were, they were going to die of fear and they did. And I guess the part of that story is you trying to figure out, well, is that what happened or was he really going to kill him? And now he's just able to say this, that they died on their own. He imprisoned them for reasons that were, at the, you know, in this story legal I guess at the time but so you have to decide was you know is this about power is this about religion was it about love you can push all that stuff out of your mind and just enjoy the story for what it was uh, it was written well I liked it it was probably the most fun to read I'll say out of all the stories in the book there is one called Comet Wine it is very cool too I didn't talk about it but give it a read it's also very neat it's done by a man reading letters and trying to find this composer and all this stuff. Very cool story. Give it a shot. Anyway, I feel like this has gone on long enough. I want to try to keep these short and manageable. So, like I said, you can listen to this on the ride home or in your car or whatever. Maybe you're on a run. Nobody runs to run for 30 minutes, so let's keep these short. Episode number two down. Appreciate you stopping by. It's just James Hall Reviews. <laughs>